entering fully into Advent is always a risk. There's little that highlights the upside-down nature of our faith, like plunging headfirst into the growing darkness of oncoming winter with deep trust that somehow light will, in fact, emerge. There's nothing quite so disorienting as slowing down and being quiet as everything around us speeds up and blares Bing Crosby and sleigh bells. Nothing as crazy as pinning our hope for well-being and the redemption of the earth on a Palestinian Jewish newborn. Advent is risky, a little bit weird to onlookers, and always full of reversals. It gives us in four short weeks the broad strokes of all the wildly hopeful claims of our faith. And in our text today, the psalmist is making a similar kind of wager. To you, Yahweh, I lift up my whole being. The word soul in English doesn't quite cover it. Nefesh is all of me, my deep, the deepest me, the deepest self, my being. I lift up to you, O God. And in case it wasn't clear, he then says, My God, in you I trust. And the word for trust at the very beginning of this prayer is a full-bodied word. It means to throw oneself face down. I'm all in, God. I'm putting all my eggs in your basket. Don't let me be ashamed. There's an urgency and a longing in these words. A kind of pleading. Your ways, make me know them. Your paths, teach me. You are the God of my deliverance, my rescue, my salvation. I wait for you all day long. The psalmists have this way of sounding desperate and confident at the same time. But maybe that's just one way of saying what humility and trust look like. Like a child who cries out for help and fully expects that his mother will be right there. There's a certain honesty. There's no glossing over the fact that the situation is serious and distressing. And along with that, the expectation that God's goodness will prove reliable. This word, wait, is drawn from words for twist or stretch and words for a cord or a strand of rope. So it's this image of a strong cord that's like bearing the tension of the waiting. Again, honesty, a picture of how waiting and anticipation often feels for us, what trusting God often feels like. Often, in our waiting, we feel like a taut rope, holding on. But the cord is strong, like strands of a spider's web that appear flimsy, but are able to hold much weight. It seems recently we've had plenty of reason to find ourselves stretched, in our hoping 
and in our trust that God will continue to show up, continue to reveal God's self, continue to lead us and teach us and love us. Let me read for you the tabs that are still open in one of my internet browsers from the very first weekend that I was here. As I was trying to make sense of recent world events and also kind of follow up on stories that have been posted by Christian peacemaker teams and my friends, as they also were looking to kind of understand and put into context the violence that we were facing again in our world, and somehow to bring some basic humanity and compassion into our responses to it. So from November 14th, mass grave of Yazidi women executed by ISIS found in Iraq. I had a Google search for response to Beirut bombing November 2015. After I realized that simply typing response to Beirut bombing would first yield results from the 1983 bombing of the U.S. Embassy in Beirut. That was interesting in itself. Arab states condemn terrorist Paris attacks. And from page A6 of the New York Times on November 14th, Iraq, suicide bomb and road blast kill 26 in Baghdad along with a couple of East Chestnut-related documents that I wanted to come back to. And now, just two weeks later, 40,000 diplomats, experts, advocates, including more than 135 world leaders, have gathered in Paris for climate talks that begin tomorrow that many hope will result in the most ambitious agreement yet to reduce global emissions hoping that if we keep rigorously cutting back, we might give the planet some breathing space and maybe avoid the worst of the extreme changes that the people of Earth are already experiencing. What does this have to do with getting ready for the birth of a child to poor parents living under the thumb of Roman military and economic occupation Mary and Joseph's thriving was no more a priority for the powers of their day than the thriving of the people of, say, Kiribati, an island nation in the central Pacific whose entire population is threatened by the rising of the sea. No more than the thriving of Kiribati is a priority for China or the United States who are ranked one and two as the world's top of the world top 10 emitters of greenhouse gases. It is in this world that we are waiting, stretched, conflicted. Not to mention our broader church conflicts, our worries about our own path as a congregation and where that might lead or how that will unfold, or our own personal wrestling and wondering our own pain, our own hopes. Preparing the way involves confession, honesty about where we find ourselves, the places, the times when we have not lived in love and justice, the love and justice that we do desire, and so honesty also about what we hope is still possible. 
confessing our sins and confessing our desire for God to come near and make things new yet again against all odds. Our hope has been stretched. Our trust in God often feels like the bearing of many tensions. Holding on to things that don't seem to go together and bearing that weight. And it's from this place of tension that the psalmist says, Meet me in your mercy, O God. Remember your tenderness and your compassion for all you have made. The great divine mercy and compassion comes from this word for womb. Like the tenderness either that is felt by siblings who have come from the same womb or of a mother for the child she has carried in her own body. Rehem, compassion. And chesed, this steadfast love, this reliable solidarity of God with God's people. This loyal love that sticks with us. Like an enduring friendship, like any commitment you have to people for whom you would do anything. Chesed. Remember these things, O God. I'm stretched. Remember me in your mercy, in your compassion, in your loyal love. We confess that we are at a loss, and yet, O God, we lift up our whole selves to you. We remind you of your great compassion. We put all our eggs in your basket, and we trust in your goodness. And the psalmist says, God will lead us for her own name's sake and because of his compassion and loyal love. It's because of those things. So preparing the way, we don't have to get that right in order for God to meet us. We simply need to open to the, God, to the coming as God is always coming toward us. Because of God's goodness, the psalm says, God will lead the humble or the poor, weak, afflicted in what is right, in justice, and will teach the humble, the weak, in God's ways. We can count on God's well-worn paths of loyal love, of faithfulness, and solidarity with us. And it's when we're aware that we are among those afflicted, weak ones that we are able to receive God's coming and to see our way to walk with God along those just and loving ways. And so we wait in hope. But neither our word for wait or for hope really quite say what we're doing. We're stretched, we're holding tension, we're going along our way, searching all day long, asking for a straighter path, looking for the just way, anticipating that we will see it, and throwing our whole lives into the hands of this great love, this loyal, compassionate, remembering God 
who in goodness does teach us, show us, lead us. Thanks be to God.